You're listening to the voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is Herman by Coda, which first appeared in the Southern Humanities Review. Coda is a writer and marine biologist currently based on the Oregon coast. You can find more of his stories on his Medium page. Please enjoy Herman by Coda. You've always considered yourself lucky to live in a city bisected by a large river, but recently the water has turned purple. It's not a brilliant purple. In fact, it's hardly noticeable. But water from the river is used to irrigate the pastures where your state's cows graze. Something about their biology, the four stomachs, or the chewing of cud, you're not sure, concentrates the color, turning their milk lavender. This is how people notice at first. Is it purple rain or just a sign of the times? Your state's newspaper boldly asks, but the article is locked behind a paywall. You wonder if anyone younger than you will get the Prince reference. You make a note on your phone to learn more about cow internal anatomy. Maybe the color could be a selling point for your city, you think a quirky story to help forget the protests and the smash windows and the smoke that turns the sky gray and the sun orange. Maybe if you tweet about it, you'll finally go viral. But not now, later. Another note for your phone. Visit our city, the color of dreams. The mayor says the water and the milk are still safe to drink, but you don't trust the mayor. You drive out to the locks and the sun watches you like the eye of a malevolent god. Herman will know what's really going on with the river, because he's a sturgeon and because he's the gatekeeper of the locks. You and Herman met in second grade. You grew up in the same small town, but you left for the city, and he stayed. He's obscenely tall, could dunk even as a freshman. He was barred from your school's basketball team for this reason. It just wouldn't be fair. If they'd let him play, maybe he could have gotten out to this town on a scholarship. You wonder if he's happy here, if he has regrets, or if he holds any grudges. But you know you should keep these musings to yourself. You park next to his little red truck. He could afford something nicer, but maybe he likes the way it looks. The house is small and rustic. Not quite a log cabin, but close enough to make you jealous. Even though it's late in the season, his pink azaleas are in full bloom. When he opens the door, you notice he's developed a bit of a belly. You say, hello, gatekeeper, and he grins, hello, anadromas. You're not a fish, but hello, senior public relations manager would sound depressing, and anadromas is true. You hunted downriver for things silvery and bright, and now you've traced the current home. He hugs you, wrapping his arms around your shoulders so that you feel like a child, and offers you a cold beer. Your long period of loneliness sloughs away like rotten flesh. The thirsty azaleas absorb it with their roots. You say yes. Herman has a deck that overlooks the water. It's not too hot today, and the smoke is high and thin. Together you recline and sip and 
look out over the withering yellow maple leaves to the river. You catch up on the goings-on of your town, who's gotten divorced, whose kids are prodigies and whose are fuck-ups, all the usual scandals that mean nothing to anyone anywhere else. When you're halfway through your beer, you ask about the water. He sighs. You wait. You knew that as soon as you said it, the reason for your visit would be obvious, but you couldn't help it. It's the dam, he finally says. He doesn't look at you as he says this, but instead out at the curved concrete wall that holds back the river and generates about a quarter of your city's electricity. You imagine chemicals leaching into the water from its internal structures, the turbines made with spent uranium, or maybe there's something in the concrete. There's a new algae growing in the lake behind the dam, he explains. Is it harmful? You try not to let your disappointment show. I don't know. Where did it come from? Who knows? You follow his gaze toward the dam, but your focus remains in your peripheral vision, on his body language. You seek some hint that he's being intentionally evasive. He rubs the long scar on his neck absentmindedly. When he was younger, he worked as a professional sturgeon for the Locks Aquarium. He lived in a gray, mucky tank with a few other fish, cruising back and forth, posing for selfies with the occasional disappointed tourist lured off the highway by a faded road sign's promise, meet a living dinosaur today. The work was dull, but the free housing meant he was able to save a lot of money in a relatively short period of time and purchase a home before the real estate market skyrocketed. One afternoon, at the aquarium, while Herman was napping, someone jumped into his tank with a large folding knife and attacked him. Having thick skin and a slow metabolism, he wasn't gravely injured, but you can imagine how those slashes must have hurt. The attacker went to court, of course, but couldn't explain why he'd attacked Herman, it was a mindless compulsion. Since Herman survived, the man walked away with a $200 fine. Sturgeon fishing is allowed, after all, but he didn't have a fishing license, and Herman was far over the legal size limit. Do you think I should get a water filter, you prod? You're not sure if you can get anything more out of him. The dam will have to come out. He stands abruptly and walks inside. Soon he returns with two glasses of whiskey, a large, square ice cube in each. Why will the dam have to come out? Algae's hard to kill. Poison it all you want, it'll come back. The dam changed the river. Made it a good place for algae. Only way to get rid of the algae is to change the river back. Then you'd lose your job, and, and ships wouldn't be able to come up the river. He tilts his glass toward you, and makes an affirmative click with his tongue. This whole time he is yet to make eye contact. You wonder what you'd see there, in those little black eyes, if he ever looked at you directly. Do you still like to swim in the lake? Does the algae bother you? 
It's a peculiar feeling. Sort of numbs the gills. Kind of like it. That doesn't sound healthy. He chuckles at this and sips his whiskey. Sorry, I just... You know I care about you. I worry sometimes. It must be lonely out here. He doesn't react. The day is heating up and a warm breeze is starting to flow up the canyon and into the high desert. Have you ever been swimming in the nude? He asks. Skinny dipping? Never. Feels nice. You can float on your back. Let the sun wander over everything. How often can you do that in the city? Not very often. Not at all. He studies the canyon. A train is going by on the far side of the river, transporting goods inland. Its horn sounds closer than it really is, the sound moving easily over the water. You never know when everything is going to change, he says. You shouldn't take anything for granted. Not a single day. He's such an awkward flirt, you think. Let me finish my whiskey first. He smiles. So you finish your whiskey and follow him down the trail through the dry grass to the river. A blackberry bush is overgrowing the trail, and for a few minutes you both pause and pluck the ripest, sweetest berries. You stain your fingers and tongues. You remember why you love it here. The flat orange light makes it feel like it's sunset, though it's closer to midday. It's not hard to imagine that this is a memory, that you're both still young, and his belly and scars are gone, and the sky is still blue, and the river is blue too. You strip out of your clothes and you hunch, self-conscious at first, but soon you're both in the water and feeling utterly free. It's warm, like a swimming pool. You look down at your body and find it purplish. The algae tingles on your skin. Maybe it's the whiskey. He's floating on his back with his eyes closed. You do the same. You find his hand with yours. His rough grip is an old, familiar comfort. Do you think the world is ending? You ask. Does this feel like an ending? It feels like a memory, you confess. His hand tenses. Come back to our town, you want him to say. Live with me. Let's be like we were. Let's be what we could have been. And maybe it really is what he's thinking, but it's not what he says. All I know is this lake, he says. My whole life, it's all I've known. Even if it's purple. There's nothing you can say to this. You squeeze his hand and he squeezes back. When the dam goes, I'll wash away, he says. When, you think. Maybe it's for the best. You hesitate, searching for the words. Don't you ever wonder... Didn't you ever want to leave? Of course I did, he says, hoarse. He lets go. You drift apart. 
Then why? He turns away from you, just slightly, but it's clear enough. He's closed off now. You try to change the subject, sort of. I wonder if it's hurting the baby cows, if it's concentrated like that. I wish it was, he mumbles. He turns back to you and you finally see the emotion in his eyes. Rage. Not at you, but at something far bigger, something too big to name. He speaks clearly now. I wish it were deadly. The water washes over his gills. You feel small in his gaze. You turn his words over on the drive home. Your car exhales carbon dioxide just like you. You understand what he means. It's not that he wants to die. It's that if this were a real crisis, maybe it would be enough for you to change course. If things were worse, maybe you would have stayed, gotten drunk, and picked blackberries by the river, and held each other while the world ended. Your phone buzzes with a notification from your boss. You check your notes. You begin to compose an email using voice-to-text. Ideas for a new ad campaign so more cars will come and bring more people to spend more money in this beautiful city. Your city. The city that is the color of dreams. That night, you dream the scene again. You follow him down to the lake. Your hand explores more than just his hand. You end up on the beach. The sand is soft, so much softer than in real life. You wake early, too early to call, so you send him a groggy text. Something about the dream, something you know you'll regret sending, but you can't stop yourself. You try to forget what you felt when you were asleep, the easy happiness of knowing you'd finally chosen to do what's right. You haven't sent the email to your boss. At the last minute, you didn't have the heart. It all felt so trite and pointless. Now your phone buzzes again. He's getting annoyed. You're behind schedule, as usual. Never mind that it's Sunday. You clutch your phone tightly. Fight the urge to hurl it across the room. Something is changing. Or something has changed. You're not sure yet. You never should have gone to see Herman. It's thrown you off balance. You're straight up and down, but everything else looks tilted. You do your breathing exercises, and they help a little. You reflexively check your phone and quickly undo the calm. There's a creature in your stomach, chewing. That's what it feels like. You need to act. The creature nudges you. Go. 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 Where? Why? How? The dam. Not the actual dam, but the Wikipedia article about the dam. You learn about the hogs, huge salmon that once swam far up your river. Like most salmon, they spent five years at sea, fattening up for the long journey back to their spawning grounds. After the dam was built for five years, those salmon returned. Each year they encountered an enormous concrete wall. They threw themselves against it. Their bodies glistened in the sun. Finally, in year six, there were no more hogs. Conflict, a subheading reads. You learn about the people who fought for the salmon, the people who fought for their village which was submerged in the rising waters, 
They had lived there for thousands of years, but on one day in 1957, the flood came from the east and drank it all up. You learn about the falls, which were perhaps the best fishing grounds in all of North America, the Wall Street of the West, the article says, because so many people from so many places converged here to fish, trade, and mingle. You imagine a kind of New York City growing up all around you, all those different lives and stories and voices. You can almost hear the clamor. There were several attempts to blow up the dam, but they all failed. So far, you think. Not because you want to blow up the dam. You would never do such a thing. You wouldn't know where to begin. But it's suddenly clear to you that it shouldn't exist. You want to text Herman to find out if he already knew all of this, but you're confronted with the message you sent at 4 a.m. and get cold feet. It wasn't just the salmon. Sturgeon or Anadromus, too. What has he been cut off from that he never told you about? What did you never know to ask? If anyone would want to blow up the dam, it would be him. And if anyone would know how, also him. He knows the internal structure of the dam better than anyone. He has the access. He could do it. You remember what he said. You never know when everything is going to change. When the dam goes. Was he already plotting something? Was he trying to tell you? To hell with texting. You're going back. The creature in your stomach cheers you on. Faster, faster. You feel your pockets, phone, wallet, keys. You fill up a water bottle and grab a granola bar just in case. Then you're off, flying back, up the highway, east to the locks. You pull up in front of Herman's house, but his truck isn't there. You knock anyway. Nothing. You climb over the railing and follow the deck around back, peer in the sliding glass doors. It's dark inside. He's not home. There's only one other place to look. You cruise up to the Locks Aquarium slowly, pretending to drive like a tourist. It's not crowded. Not many people want to see Sturgeon these days. And not many people go outside at all during smoke season. You walk through the old outdoor exhibits, past Weathers sculptures of giant fish. The cedar trees have all died of fungus and haven't been taken down yet, but the salal bushes are growing ever taller. They reach out to you as you walk the paved paths, almost desperate for you to eat their purple bell-shaped berries. They're not your favorite, but you oblige. The sturgeon tanks are full of unfamiliar faces, all teenagers working summer jobs. None of them know Herman or your history. They stare blankly out at the world. You see one in the back, crouching half out of the water, on their phone and hoping not to be caught, no doubt. You check the visitor center. Finally, some fish you know. The twins, a couple of Herman's old co-workers, are rearranging plush-stuffed sturgeons on a shelf. Looks like they run the place now. Oh, hello, they say in unison. It's not just the patterns of scoots on their faces that are identical. Their actions are, too. You've never been able to tell them apart. Are, are you, you here, here to, to try, try to stop, stop Herman? Herman? Stop him from doing what? They smile the same smile, their barbells curling slightly upward. Removing, Removing the, the dam, dam, of course. Their voices are high, but not musical. 
almost robotic. You always found this unsettling, but Herman got along with them well. He always told you that you were too judgmental. You try to play it cool. So, he's going to do it then? Yes, it, it appears, appears so. so. How do you know? You're unsure what they're capable of. Seeing the future does not seem out of the question. They laugh. He stopped by to tell us. He wanted to make sure everyone was out of the blast zone. But you're still here? We have some time yet. It won't be a very big explosion. I wasn't trying to stop him. You feel defensive now. You don't want them to think that you're on the wrong side of this. Then, then why, why are, are you chasing, chasing him? him? Did you Did want, you want to, help? to help? No, I just... You have no answer, at least. No answer that doesn't sound stupid and desperate. Will he be okay? He'll, He'll be okay, okay, they smile. He, he won't be, be able, able to stay afterward, afterward though. He'll, He'll be in big trouble. trouble. He'll, He'll have, have to go, go somewhere else. else. How much longer do you think I have? You, you shouldn't, shouldn't go after him. him. How much longer? They shrug. A little while. That's all we know. Thank you. You're welcome. They smile and go back to arranging the toy sturgeons. You jog out to your car and the twins' question follows, Are you trying to stop him? You can't stand the thought of him leaving. You thought he'd always be here just a two-hour drive away. You recall a moment when you were both 14 or 15. You were building a dam in the creek behind your house. It was something you'd done a lot when you were little kids, catching frogs, stacking rocks. You were too old for it now, but he was taking engineering classes, and he was excited to apply what he'd learned. You loved watching him think, letting him guide you to place the rocks in the right places. Your arms brushed on accident at first. You were in the woods, hidden by maple leaves, gurgling water, and petrichor. It was safe. It was the first time you confessed your feelings for each other. You looked out at the little lake you'd both made and told him that it felt like there was a lake inside you, that for your whole life things had been pouring in, but that nothing could get out, that you felt so heavy. He nodded. You kicked the dam down rock by rock together. The water flowed free again. You took for granted the love you found so easily as a teenager. You were sure you were destined for bigger and better things. You left him. You don't expect him to forgive you. When you find his truck out on the dam, you park beside it. It's easy to follow him in. He left the high security door wide open. You find him hunched over a box full of complicated wiring. The turbines roar in the background. It's humid, and in places moss and lichen grow on the walls. Somehow he hears your footsteps over the din and turns. He doesn't look surprised to see you. I sent you a text, you say. I know, he says. You stand there, dumbly. I still love you, too. You feel the tears start to well. He sighs and goes back to his wiring. You rush up, hug him around his back. He turns to face you, wraps you up. You feel safe again just for a moment, 
until he pushes you away. Go. When I set this off, you'll only have a few minutes to get out of here. You wipe your eyes. Okay. Sturgeon live a long time, he says. Maybe I'll see you again someday. He grabs your hand, presses something cold and hard into your palm. Then he spins you with a gentle shove, sets you in motion. You look down. The key to his house. Take good care of it, he says. I will, you say, but you don't stop. You drift out to your car, get inside. Hardly hear the door shut. You mutter back to the aquarium. The parking lot is empty now. A closed sign hangs in the window of the visitor center. You thought the twins might stay to watch, but they're gone. You get out of your car, walk to the overlook, and lean against the cedar railing. At this distance, the dam is a perfectly smooth, pale gray wall. You feel like a cloud, like the slightest gust of wind could blow you away. When it happens, the water goes up into the sky in a single beam. The twins were wrong. It's a big explosion. The wall crumbles in slow motion. You see the shockwave coming before it hits you, and you plug your ears. It knocks you backward. You catch yourself, skin your palms, and feel a raw, tingling pain you haven't felt since childhood. The thunder dissipates. Then comes the rain. Purple rain. Light at first, then heavier and heavier. You lift yourself up and peer through the downpour. The old village is emerging. All around it, the water glimmers. Thick, silvery bodies rise and fall. They leap from the water and sparkle in the light. The hogs. When the water is shallow enough, they jump up, raise their hands, and dance among the houses. The joyous crowd follows the edge of the lake as it recedes. A new channel is forming at the bottom of the lake bed, creating a waterfall where it reaches the broken remains of the dam. There they jump back in, swim down the falls, and back up again, laughing. You see how easy it is for them. This is what they were made for. There's something else in the channel an enormous, scaly back rising from the water. You know it's him without needing to see anything more. His tail flexes one way, then the other. He glides toward the falls. You wonder if he'll look up, say goodbye, acknowledge you at all, but the beating of his tail is steady. His purpose is clear. He doesn't waver. When he reaches the falls, his dorsal fin flicks the air as he navigates the shallower water. His tail thrashes a few times and you think for a horrible moment that he's become stuck, but then he's gliding forward again, out into deeper waters, where he disappears entirely. You raise your hand, tentatively, half-waving. Then your hand migrates to your chest, clutching at something painful but not unexpected. Eventually, the rain tapers off. A crowd is gathered on the hill where the new town is located, the one that was created for the people who were displaced all those years ago. They're pointing, but you can't make out their reactions from here. The sky is still gray with smoke, 
and the sun is still orange. In the distance, sirens howl. They'll rebuild the dam, you understand, and who will question it? Many of us, surely. But large structures have a kind of inertia. They're not so easily dismantled. If the water runs clear in the meantime, someday it will be purple again. People might even say they missed it, that purple. It was pretty, wasn't it? Maybe you'll write about it, how the purple is back and how nice it is. And Herman will be gone. Everything will be the same, but Herman will be gone. But that's far in the future. Now, in this moment, your hands are still stinging and the salmon are still dancing. The old, drowned houses can breathe again. And you, you are different. In this moment, you believe that anything can change. This was Herman by Coda, read for you by Rob McWool, Werewolf Hitchhiker. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog, or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.